Does worrying about what others think ever stop you from doing what you think is best or matters most? Do you filter what you do or say and feel through someone else's lens instead of your own? Are your decisions and actions so watered down because of concern of others' interpretations or judgment? In today's podcast, we're looking at why what others think matters to us, what happens when we live from this number one fear of judgment, as well as concrete ways to address this fear head on. Welcome to Playing Full Out, where you'll discover tips to break through the personal and professional barriers in a hectic world that are preventing you from leading your optimal vision of life at work and home. This is the podcast for passionate life travelers and leaders who want to live a deliberate, confident, and fulfilling life and change the world while they do. I'm your host, Rita Hyland, and in each episode, we'll expose you to something new in the areas of passion, performance, and psychology that you can immediately apply to grow your life, love, and leadership. Hi, it's Rita, and welcome to the Playing Full Out podcast as worrying about what others think stop you. It has been a couple months since my last podcast, and I am sorry to have been away. We've been full with the start of our new Playing Full Out Life and Leadership Academy. The Transformational Coaching Program is running this fall through the end of November, and we are heading into our fourth week now, and the transformations are taking shape. Our next group is being scheduled for late January or early February. We haven't locked that date in yet, but when we know, I'll make sure to tell you. In the meantime, I'll be sharing how you can place your name on a wait list to get the information about that next launch. Recently, I sent my monthly journal out on this topic that we're going to talk about today that is, does worrying about what others think stop you? And I received a lot of emails saying how much this topic resonated for so many And would I be open to discussing it a little bit more and even to turn it into a podcast? Then that's what's brought us to this discussion today. I've been witnessing the cost and the impact of worry and specifically worrying about what others think as it is in our workplaces and our homes and in society at large. And I've been looking at this for some time now and What I've seen demonstrated is how people are hesitant to voice their opinions about topics in the news. Managers are reluctant to provide feedback, critical feedback sometimes to colleagues. Many are tentative to share their experiences that could help their team members. And others just simply won't even ask for what it is that they want I explore this and I understand it. I really, I do. I recall in my 20s when I ran for an office at the end of my senior year in college, and it was for a three-year board seat. And I, I remember really distinctly and clearly I was campaigning in each of 23 living units and spoke to my fellow students as they ate their dinner. And in one dining room in particular, I recall my heart racing And I broke into this sweat as I looked out onto the crowd. And I remember really specifically my lips sticking together as I tried to convince the audience to vote for me. What was happening is that I was hearing a voice saying, get the heck out of here. Abort, abort, abort mission. You might die. We all have this part of the brain that reacts when it feels we are not safe. It's called the reptilian brain, and that is the oldest part of our brain. It is represents about 20% of our brain, and it is that part that's designed 
to keep us safe and responsible. It's known as that fight or flight type area. And it sounds the alarms when it is concerned that your safety is at risk. And it was originally considered established so that we would not be bitten and eaten by bears. Or if a stranger comes close to us, we know that um, we're triggered and alerted and put on high alert. What's happened is that it's become overly powerful and it now considers emotional threats also a live or die type of a level of emergency. And so it's been falsely given a lot of power and is confused. Specifically, what I was concerned with during that campaign, those campaign speeches, is rejection. And what I realized is that we all yearn to be accepted. It may be actually our number one need as human beings to feel a part of something. There are two major fears that most people are afraid of, and that is the fear of inadequacy and the fear of rejection. And I really believe that the fear of rejection is in fact our number one. Because if you think about your fear of inadequacy, ultimately you're afraid of inadequacy, what's underneath that, because then I might be rejected. So at the bottom of the bottom, the most base level and terrifying fear for us is that we won't be accepted or validated or included or feel like we belong. So it makes sense that if our number one need is to be accepted then our number one fear is of being rejected. And I'll tell you just how universal this fear of rejection is. That woman who looks like she has it all together, that CEO who looks like nothing daunts him, and that business person who's leading hundreds, they all suffer from this same fear of rejection. It doesn't matter who they are. I remember... In my youth, thinking that there was some magical age, I've probably made reference to this before, but that there's this magical age where we all just feel completely self-assured and confident. And when it's all together, you're in the absolute perfect place in the work, in your work world and on your purpose and financially set. And what I've learned is that that was a major myth of mine and a childhood naivete. There isn't a person out there who doesn't have a fear of rejection. So if you ever think that you are alone, my message here is that you are not. So it is not a matter of whether or not you fear being rejected. It's a matter of whether that fear of rejection stops you. And there's all types of implications for when a fear does or can stop you. You have to ask yourself, does it stop you from introducing yourself or presenting your best talents at an interview? Does it stop you from building your community of friendships or starting the company you always wanted? Does it stop you from taking the next level of accreditation or offering your service or your product? Does it keep you from stepping into a leadership role? or having a deeper connection with your partner. You think if you let someone get to know you, that they might not like the real you, that they may judge you or find you unlovable. And maybe they'll think you're an imposter. Many people suffer with what they consider an imposter syndrome when they pull it all down. As a result, you hide 
and stay on the fringes and you dance around the edges and miss the opportunities to really truly live. Right now, I'd like to ask you if you think for a moment of an area that you feel a little or a lot stuck in, something maybe you've been struggling with or you've been for a long time or you have been procrastinating on, it doesn't seem that you're moving the needle. Maybe it's struggling with a decision or taking a next step that you know to take. Go ahead and think for a moment of that area that you want something in that you're not creating. And now I want you to look at what you've identified and I want you to ask yourself if your concern with what others might think of you is holding you back. Could that be at all responsible for you being stagnant or plateaued? Know this, there is a reward that you get from worrying about what others think. I always call it the secondary reward. That We don't do anything in life that doesn't have a reward. So there's a reason that we allow worry or use worry to stop us from things. The reward is that you can avoid being judged and you can avoid leaving your comfort zone. You stay in the safe harbor. The consequence, of course, is that you play small and you live for others by what they want you to do. You experience a half version of what you're really capable of. And you live a life that's fraught with an inner frustration. Before I share some concrete ways to fight this fear of rejection head on, I want to share one other observation. And that is often you may not even realize that you're worrying about what other people think, but you still are stalled or you're procrastinating or you're taking too long to get a project or even a simple email on a given day out. These also are examples of where the reptilian brain can cunningly and you might be unwittingly hiding so to avoid that fear of rejection. The reptilian brain is, as I said, cunning, and it disguises its behavior like it's rational or logical. And I want you to cue in to not be fooled. And one way to find out if you're being held back due to a fear of rejection is to simply ask the question, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? And if you get an answer like, I'd put my own ideas out there right now from the start of the meeting, or I'd give real-time feedback, or I'd move forward instead of continue to refine my idea, whether that be for my new career or my work initiative or for my new business, whatever it is. The worst thing, even worse than simply being uh, being aware that you're worried about what other people think and and not moving forward is not even recognizing that not you're worrying about what other people think that's about that's being unconsciously incompetent so again you can ask yourself the question if you're stymied or you're stalling or you're plateaued could it possibly be that I'm worrying about what other people think when you're aware that you have a problem or that you are using worry about others think to hold you back, then you actually have a choice and you can respond and behave differently. So you're left really here, as you can hear, with one of two choices. Either you're going to avoid the risk of judgment by doing exactly what you think others want you to do, or you can live the life you're called to. It's just, it's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. So If your vote is to live your best life, how do you stop that fear head on? That's the most interesting part, right? How, when it happens, and I would say 
regardless of that doesn't discriminate, by the way, socioeconomic level, man, woman, um, business and personal, all all phases of life, all types of people that this this worry when it's really pinpointed is something that is holding tons of people back. So when you recognize it, how do you stop it? The first concrete way to do that is to understand that people are a lot less likely to reject you if you don't reject you. It is amazing to me how many of us reject and judge ourselves quite harshly. And what this means, bottom line, is that we really need to love ourselves. It's a painful place to live carrying what I call the ogre on your back. That's that voice that undermines you that says you're going to look foolish. No one's going to like that. You're never going to get this right. That's too much of a risk. I had a man actually arguing with me this week that if he didn't pressure himself or to be better, or if he was went easy on himself, in essence, if he didn't have that ogre on his back and he didn't point out his failures or his gaps, then he wouldn't set a path for improvement. He really was doubling down and investing in this belief that self-criticism and being hard on himself was the motivation that he needed. And this is something that he's had a pattern of doing and he believes has gotten him to his success so far. So he was convinced that if he gave up the critical voice in his mind, that he would just peter out and be lazy. If you think that the key to greatness is being hard on yourself, you're really not alone, but you are wrong. My clients, when I first meet them, there are many high achievers, especially, that will argue for this. The research speaks, however, for itself. And this has come out of Stanford University School of Medicine paper from a psychologist, Kelly McGonigal. And study after study shows that self-criticism is consistently associated with less motivation and self-control. And in contrast, being loving and having self-compassion is associated with more motivation and self-control. So in short, be kind to you. For one, others will treat you like you treat yourself. You train them. And two, there is no evidence that rejecting yourself is really motivating or inspirational. It's actually quite the opposite. I always think that and, and realize that the one that you're probably most scared of is yourself, the berating and the rejection that you will give you if something doesn't work out or that you judge you. Your second concrete way to face the worry head on is to embrace the reality that people are judgers. Some will like you, some will not. And the human brain is designed to discern and shortcut and organize information. And it does that by judging. Think about it right now. You're judging me and how I'm talking and what I'm saying. And that's really okay. Your brain has to be able to organize and make decisions. Embrace that you're going to be judged no matter what. And when you do that, you can let go of the resistance. What you resist controls you. So if you can let go of manipulating and trying to worry about what you think and how you think you can get another person to not judge you, you would, how much time would you have back? How much energy would you get back? How much 
productivity would you get back? My clients recognize that when they've mastered getting over the worry of what others think, that they become incredibly efficient, that they are leaving on time because they are producing at a much higher rate. The key involved here is to like what you're doing while you're being judged. Like, like what you're doing. Enjoy yourself. The third concrete way to wor- get over the worry of what others think is to n- not make judgments that do occur personal. If someone doesn't like your product or your style or the way you introduce yourself or your boss judges you for what you said in a meeting, it doesn't mean that you are an inadequate human being. In the case of a boss who judges something you said or did, listen to the feedback neutrally. Make the judgment about the action or the product or your outcome, not about your value or your worthiness. If someone doesn't like your idea, that's okay. That doesn't that, that don't interpret that to mean something that it doesn't. Once you recognize that the outcome might need to change, move forward in the right direction. It's very simple. We can make things a lot easier on ourselves when we do this. If someone doesn't like your idea or your style, understand this. It's based upon their last 40 to 50 years of experience as well. It, you can't you can't begin to figure out what went into making their decisions. So don't try. Finally, nothing has meaning, as I just started to say, but the meaning you give it. I'm going to say that again. Nothing has meaning, but the meaning that you give it. What meaning do you give when someone judges you? Do you say, she has a special insight to me that I'm not that great? Or do you say, wow, that's interesting. Wonder what triggered her when I said that? okay, I'll try to figure out if I need to do something different or what I can learn from something. You answer the question. And then next, choose the meaning that supports you. Life is a reflection of your interpretations, 100% reflection of your interpretations. If you got this, you could change everything. The interpretation that you choose is going to determine whether you stay stuck or you move forward. So choose the interpretation that's going to work for you. I was working with someone today and he, oh, has huge, had huge judgment around himself when he doesn't complete everything that he needs to do in a given day. He's a bit of a perfectionist as well as a high achiever and a ton of work has been dealt his way, which is happening to a lot of people in the corporate world. And it can give him high levels of anxiety. And I asked what his interpretation was. And when we got down to it, his interpretation was that if I don't get everything done, then I'm, you know, we got to, we use the word terrible person, that I'm not, that I'm in essence inadequate and that I'm not good enough. And so I said, how's that working for you? And this is a pattern of behavior he's had for the last 45 to 50 years. He's like, it's, I'm, con- I'm in constant state of anxiety. And what he realized, I asked for different interpretations and asked him to come up with several of them. And then I asked him to choose the one that brought him back to peace of mind which is the only place that we should be creating from. It's the best and highest level of place that we could be creating from. And that, again, is well-being and peace of mind. And his interpretation that he crafted was that when I have more work than can be handled, I am getting to serve a lot of people. 
And that one brought him back to, you could see his whole body shift. And when he remembered that he had, if he has a lot of work, again, that means that there's, he is out there serving a ton of people. And that's something that he values highly. Another person might value an interpretation that's, well, this means that I have job security because that person values stability. I didn't put my interpretation on him. I didn't give him an interpretation. His interpretation was the one that returns him to peace of mind. I think it's funny. I'll share one more personal story that in the writing of this newsletter that I had, or my monthly journal, I had a teacher of mine judge me. And it was, of course, just perfect because it was the very day that I was writing my newsletter, my monthly journal again. And he said that he didn't like that I hadn't effectively used what he had taught. I mean, he, he insinuated that he was pushing me and he was clearly irritated. And as I listened to him, I thought, this really is perfect. Of course, this is happening. This man that I admire isn't going to validate me. He's not going to tell me I belong. And it's also not his job to do so. And so I took the feedback that he gave and I got back to what I know I needed to do. I had zero lag time between his judgment and my moving forward. And I didn't argue with him. I didn't chastise myself. I didn't stew in self-criticism. I didn't go home and take it out on my kids. I didn't have anxiety the rest of the day. I took the part of his feedback I felt was valid and I acted on it. Now in yesteryear, that judgment would have put me under for several weeks. Today, I consider how quickly I stand back up as a sign of my own personal power. So the next time you feel stuck on what others might think of you, ask yourself this question. What's the worst that could happen if people judged me? Really, what is the worst? So he judged me. The answer was, I was no different than where I was before. You know, whether it wasn't like I was something else was going to happen or not happen. He had an opinion. Usually what you're going to find is that the answer is that you're in the exact same place as your current circumstance. Now, you might make up stories and interpretations and illusions of things that aren't really true or what you think might happen. But again, then you would just be buying into an illusion and a made up story. I will say that, of course, I still feel rejection at times. This is part of growth. I'm learning to not make it a significant part of my life as it used to be. It's a, It can be a lot easier. And in part, sometimes people aren't judging you or thinking about you as much as you've always heard that, as much as you think that they are. Sure, it would be nice for everybody to love me. It would be nice for everybody to love you, but they don't. And it really, there's no comparison to when you can be in your own personal peace and simply be there and love yourself. So this week, notice when your reptilian brain is trying to hijack you and keep you safe, whether that's by not making a decision or slowing down. Maybe you're having to, it slows you down by how fast you put out something. Maybe it's how fast you sign up for something in your workplace or put yourself out for a service that you offer. In that moment, use any of these four ways to face that worry head on. You can also, I'll give you one more bonus, I guess. You can simply say, stop talking and then take action. Yes, stop talking. Quiet the reptilian brain and the chatter. I look forward to hearing and seeing what you create when worrying about what others think no longer stops you. Isn't it more important that as a leader at this point in your life that you help and serve people more than it is to continue to worry about what other people may or may not think 
and or may or may not judge you for. I look forward to our next time. And until then, peace. Thanks for tuning in to Playing Full Out. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes for more tips, tools, and inspiration to leading the optimal vision of your life, love, and leadership. And remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the fullest version of you at play.